Are you ready? This is Moffat on the Mic on the A1 Sports Network. Bow to the masters. Break it down. How you doing, everybody? And welcome to the Moffat on the Mic radio show. We are live, as always, on a Monday night, late afternoon, I guess. Courtesy of the A1 Sports Network, I am Craig Moffat. And, of course, this show would not be complete without the production stylings of the people's producer, the head honcho, the big cheese I'm talking about, of course. The Hamburglar himself, Mr. Chris Clip. What's up, Craig? Clint, what a screwed up Sunday, man. Screwed up weekend in general for our teams, okay? Because, you know, a lot came into – there's a lot to debate with the Jets. We know that. Yeah. There's also now a lot to debate about the Giants because I have never seen a fan base turn on Daniel Jones quicker after yesterday's game. And then you take the Mets into consideration because all they really had to do was win. And then they lose the first game of the DeGrom doubleheader. Then Porcello doesn't show up for the second game of the doubleheader, which good riddance to Rick Porcello. And then they completely get pasted on the last day of the season with Seth Lugo having a crappy out. I mean, there's so much to digest from on this Jewish holiday. Shalom and happy Yom Kippur, by the way. <laughs> thank you. Not, not Jewish, but thank not you. Not Jewish, but for <laughs> Jewish brethren, you know, and everything. But I don't know. Where do you want to start? I mean, I mean I, if we want to take a positive from the weekend, Clash of Champions was good. I haven't watched it yet. I thought it was pretty good. The fact good. that Big Show came back was just, come on. That, <laughs> come on. He, he, he was on the screen for, I kid you not, no more than 10 seconds. So, although it was a good ending with, you know, Christian and Shawn Michaels, and, and then, you know, because I'm kind of glad Randy Orton didn't win the title. Yeah. I still think Drew McIntyre hasn't been able to embrace a title run in front of the fans. You know, like I think it's just been, he's gotten really screwed by this whole thing. Yeah. So I think the fact that they're letting him keep the belt is really good. I really like that. So do I. But then I ask myself, and I want to get your opinion on this. Do you think they'll flip-flop the champions? Meaning the, the draft is coming up on October 9th. They've announced. SmackDown first, and then Raw will get the, the second part of the draft. Do you th- see something where Roman Reigns will go to Raw and uh, Drew McIntyre will go to SmackDown? I could see that. I could see it happening because we all know Raw is the main brand. That's the it's the go-to brand. Everyone and okay, and having Roman on Raw would make sense. Didn't but, mean to cut you, don't mean to cut you off. Hypothetically, if you keep Drew and Roman on the same show, who is Drew's next feud against? There you go. See what I, I mean? Know. Like I don't know. Island speaks volumes. There's nobody left. Who's left? I mean, look, I I could I feel like they might do something with this uh, with this retribution angle with whatever it might be. I mean, apparently it's supposed to be Dominic Dijakovic who's the main leader. I wouldn't hate a Dominic Dijakovic uh, Drew McIntyre match. Well, the thing is, is that retribution is going to become irrelevant. 
they're going to become irrelevant, okay? Because they're not really, they're not feuding with anybody big. And if you think about it from this perspective, right? Mm-hmm. Remember when the Nexus came into Raw? Yeah. Who did they go after right off the bat? Cena. Cena, who was the big fish, right? Right. And they went after Jericho. They went after Edge. They went after all the big fish to set up that huge, you know, tag team match at SummerSlam. Okay? Yes. Who have Retribution gone after? Who's really been, like, you know, the big guy, like Big E on SmackDown? You know, now they're in, like, a feud with the Hurt Business. I mean, I can't stand that name. But do you see what I mean? It's like, if you're trying to build up this faction, and to be honest, the faction isn't really that great. Mm -hmm. It's Dijakovic. Dio Madden, Shane Thorne, Mia Yim, and Mercedes Martinez. It's not exactly like a great faction. It's not, no. It's not a faction that's going to be able to, do you think you really want that to compete against um, Seth Rollins, Drew McIntyre? I don't know, man. I, I just don't see it. I, I don't see it. I, I, it it's, t- it's tough to think about. And I was even thinking about this with uh, even Bailey, too, on SmackDown. Who else is there for Bailey to face? I mean, what are we gonna? It's the. I think it's gonna. Ha, it's gonna have to be that Sasha wins the title at some point from Bailey because other than that, who else is there for for Bailey to lose to? Yeah, I mean the thing is that Nikki Cross was out. Apparently, she was. Um, Killian Dane, her husband, had COVID. I think he was one of the guys that had COVID. Oh. She had to. That's why they backed her out of the match. I don't remember why the tag team, the women's tag team title match was eliminated last night. I think it also had to do with COVID issues, but I'm not sure with who, mm-hmm. but um, I mean, right now, retribution is not really a faction. They're just, you know, I mean, yeah, they're there, but it's just like, do you really take them seriously to make a run at McIntyre? No, but and, and again, that's, I mean, maybe someone comes back, Kevin Owens, he's on raw, right? <laughs> I, I mean, know. You know, I, I just I think they've killed Kevin Owens so much. And just like they've killed Alistair Black for so much mm-hmm. that they just they don't have anybody to challenge Drew McIntyre right now. But that's the thing, though, too. You know, Alistair Black is a great wrestler. But to your to your point, and I agree with you, they killed him so much. It's like, is he credible still to like that he can beat Drew McIntyre? Yeah, the same guys being champion all the time. What are you going to do? Bring Brock back? Is that going to be the new one? No. You know, I mean, like, and the thing is, I think Roman, the Roman Reigns heel turn has been amazing. I just wonder if they're going to move him to Raw or they're going to keep him on SmackDown. Because what he's going to do on SmackDown, he's going to feud with The Fiend again. I mean, like, see, it's just like, but it's again, it's the same tired feuds, man. It's the same tired feuds. Well, Drew can actually, I just thought about this because I totally forgot he was on Raw now. Uh, Drew can go up against uh, Keith Lee. I mean, Keith Lee is great. I mean, Look, you know as well as I do that, you know, once someone from NXT gets brought up, they it feels like they immediately get buried. But Keith Lee, I think, like, they built him up so much within the past year or two that it's, like, really hard to, like, kind of bury, bury Keith Lee. So, I mean, Keith, uh, Keith Lee drew McIntyre if you would, would be very good, especially because they're friends. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I mean, the draft is in two weeks. Well, actually, the draft is next week. It's yeah. next uh, week from Friday. But um, we'll see. I mean, I always like the draft. I always think it's fun. I still think that they don't do a great job. And the thing is, and, you know, now another guy that they're really down on again is Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle lost cleanly to Baron Corbin on Friday. What does that tell you? 
See, it's just like they every time the NXT guys get brought up, they're immediately pushed down. Yeah. And within like six months, they're gone from the Federation. And they're on they're on to other things. All right, so enough about wrestling. Well, let's get into uh let's well, I guess we'll just let's just get it out of the way. I guess we'll talk about the we'll talk, we'll do the Jets first. And you know, again, man, all I really wanted to see out of this team was to be competitive. That's all I really wanted to see. We know that injuries are an issue. We know that three or four of the receivers are hurt. Our running back is hurt. You know, a lot of guys are hurt right now. But at the end of the day, good coaches find a way to work with what you have. Okay? It's not ideal to have Chris Hogan as your number one receiver. It's not ideal to have to be relying on guys like Braxton Berrios. I like Braxton Berrios. I think he's a good player. Mm. Okay? But that being said, I don't know if it's a case of just not being competitive or if, quite frankly, they've quit on Gase. Well, apparently, from what I was just hearing, I was just in the car, and what I was hearing on the Michael K show is that the players, they haven't quit on Gase. It's, it's not what it's sounding like. It's Yeah, but of course, when they get pressed on that, they're gonna, they're, of course they're going to say they did. Mm-hmm. You, you only need to see what's on the field. Right. The fact is, the defense can't stop anybody. The offense, listen, you got to give Gase a little bit of credit. He definitely made some adjustments. Mm-hmm. There, was, there was definitely some double tight ends in there yesterday. I think he really did try to use what he had. And the thing was, is they were moving the football for a little bit. You know, the, the touchdown to Berrios was a beautiful Sam touchdown mm-hmm. and everything. But we've seen this before. And the problem is they don't know how to sustain it. And this is why I, I'm very hesitant on Sam right now. I want to see him succeed. Do I look like I want to draft another quarterback this year? No. Do I look like I want to go into, you know, drafting Trevor Lawrence, which, you know, we'll get to that in a minute. I want to see this guy succeed because we have other problems that we have to fix. Yeah. We need, we need a number one receiver. We need, you know, we need a pass rusher. We need cornerback help. We, there's, there's so many other things that we need right now. It's, it's incredible that because there were times I feel like Gase opened up the playbook a little bit more against the Colts. And that's what we wanted to see because you saw Sam take some deep shots down the field, you know, even, even over 10 yards, we saw Sam to throw the ball over 10 yards and we were like, okay, this is good. He stinks, but at least, you know, we're seeing a little bit of something. And I thought the running game wasn't awful. I didn't think it was awful. It wasn't good. I mean, I would try to give, but the thing is also, I would try to give, I didn't think Gore played bad, but I, I don't know what you're expecting from Frank Gore. Mm-hmm. Are we, I mean, this is why P. Ryan should be getting more of the carries. Even Ballage. I was Ballage was right. not, what? I said, I thought Ballage was good too for the times he got the ball. I mean, like, I, there was just some things that, like, overall, I, I were like, okay. But again, two brutal pick sixes by Sam. Mm-hmm. And he threw it right to the guy. I mean, come on. I mean, you, you can't do that. And it's just, and like, I, I ask myself, has this team quit on Gase? Because I think they have. I don't under, okay, let me rephrase it like this. Let me say it like this. Everybody was blowing Greg Williams last year about how he had a top 10 defense, how, you know, he was making chicken salad out of chicken shit, basically, with the exception of Jamal Adams, right? That's all we heard last year. Jets won six of eight last year. Nobody gave props to Gase. It immediately was thrown on Greg Williams. He's a leader. You had that douchebag Manish Mehta going all off on, you know, about Greg Williams being the guy and everything like that, right? 
Yeah. No one gave Gase props. No one. Not one person. You and I did. Yeah. Okay. But nobody wanted to give Gase props. And the thing is, is this is what's alarming about Sam. Sam in the second half of last year really showed a grasp of the offense. Now you could chalk that up to being, to playing bad teams. Fair enough. If you want to play that card, that's fine. You're not wrong. You're not wrong by playing that card, but playing bad teams gives you a, a sense of confidence. Okay. Now I can lead this team. Right. Now I know what I'm doing. Now I'm starting to figure it out more. Last year, what did we hear, Clem? Sam went to talk to Gase, what he felt comfortable with, and Gase was very receptive to it and everything. Okay? We heard that last year too, right? Mm -hmm. So what am I missing from last year to this year that is such a big problem besides the fact that the receivers are hurt? What am I missing with Sam Darnold that I don't – that I'm, you know – why are we giving Sam Darnold the pass? Why are the Jet fans giving Sam Darnold the pass? I see. I'm not. I'm not giving Sam a pass here. I. 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 I even was telling my, my mom this yesterday because she was. She was asking, "Oh, how can Sam be so bad? He was good last year. Like it's not that he's bad, but he's also not good either. You know, he just doesn't. This is he, Sam is in year three of the NFL. You can make the excuses last year. Oh, you know, new offense, new coordinators, new coaches, whatever. All right. You made those, those excuses were there. He had no wide receivers. All right, fine. You want to make those excuses? Okay. He has no wide receivers this year. Again, he has, it's the same offense. Okay. And the offensive line, slightly better, slightly better. So again, why, why is Sam playing so bad? Because I flat out, and I'll, I'll say it right now, Sam stinks. He's not good. He's not a good quarterback. I, 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 but here's the problem too, though. You see, I don't know what to believe because quite frankly, we've seen too many times we say this, we've seen flashes of Sam performing well, getting out from the rush, throwing a pass, you know, the pass to Barrios was a beautiful touchdown. It was a great touchdown. He got away from the rush, was able to throw the touchdown, scramble for the touchdown. Okay. What's alarming to me though, is Jet fans are running to his defense too quickly. It's because their hatred for Adam Gase is mm -hmm. all it is. That's all it is because I'll, okay, let's, let's go back in time. All right. When Mark Sanchez was crapping the bed after two seasons in the AFC championship game, were the fans killing Sanchez or killing Rex? Sanchez. They were killing Sanchez. And why were they killing Sanchez? Everyone loved Rex. Because everyone loved Rex. Thank you. Okay. Rex never took crap for the development of Sam Darnold. For his quarterback coach, you know, David Lee, who was another supposed quarterback guru when he was in Buffalo. Remember that? Mm -hmm. Remember how David Lee was supposed to be this quarterback guru, very similar to Gase? Did he develop Sam Darnold? Sam Darnold was still making, uh, not Sam Darnold, uh, Mark Sanchez. Sanchez was still making the same mistakes. Yep. Okay. But nobody gave Rex, a, nobody gave Rex any crap for it. Rex got a pass because they loved Rex. They loved his attitude and they loved everything about the guy. Okay. So let's get that out of the way right now. When Geno Smith got drafted by Idzik. Okay. And Geno started crapping the bed. Who got killed more for Geno Smith? Was it Geno or was it Rex? It was Geno. People didn't like Geno. And the reason why it was Geno again, because everybody loved Rex. Nobody gave Rex crap for his coaches not being able to develop, develop, right? Mm -hmm. Never mind the fact that Rex 
put Gino in a no-win situation by playing Mark Sanchez in that preseason game in the fourth quarter right. and then throwing Gino out to the Wolves when he was not nearly ready to take over an NFL team. Remember that? Yep. Okay. Nobody gave Rex crap for that either. And now we have a situation where our quarterback is, is crap in the bed left and right, making poor decision after poor decision. But we're going to give Sam a pass because he doesn't have the weapons. That's the new excuse now. Doesn't have the weapons. I am tired of hearing this excuse. I'm sick of hearing it. I'm done. I don't want to hear it anymore. Okay? Sometimes you have to roll with the punches as a quarterback. Mm -hmm. You are going to have to make those guys better. Even if it means working after practice every day to go over routes. Mm -hmm. Remember what we used to always love about Peyton Manning and Marvin Harrison? They always worked on routes. Every yep. practice. After practice, before games. Always. That's what they did. And I get it. You don't have Crowder. You don't have Mims. You don't have Paramin. You don't have Vincent Smith. You don't have Le'Veon Bell. You're down five guys. So I'm willing to give Sam a little bit of a break, but I'm not going to give him too much of one because again, it's inexcusable for this guy to be throwing balls right to the def right to the defense. Exactly. Covered receivers. It's inexcusable. Now, at the same time, you can't defend the indefensible, which is what we talked about last week. And the fact is, this team looks completely lifeless. You can't defend that. That's on the coaching. I don't dispute that. I'm not a Gase lover. I'm not a Gase hater either. I'm not, I'm not on this hate Adam Gase train. The fact is, is he should be preparing better. But if I'm going to tell you right now, do I regret that trade being made? No, not in the least. Yeah, neither do I. And we talked about this on uh, on Thursday. I don't regret the trade at all because we needed a quarterback. We, and we, we needed someone to lead this team. And we were trying to build around Sam. And unfortunately, it's not looking too bright right now. Like, I, 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 again, I would still make that trade 10 times out of 10 because Sam was arguably the best quarterback coming out of that 2018 draft. You know, you could have... You could have said it was Baker. You could have said it was Rosen. You could have said it, it was one of those two guys. You know, Allen, Allen and Jackson were the only two guys who were on the back burners for most teams because they didn't want to take the risks on them. So, and thank God, I guess you could say we got, I, Sam is on, I guess Sam is on the same level as Baker in sort of a way. And Josh Rosen completely sucks. And the thing is last year, again, we're going back to like, and I'm going to throw Greg Williams under the bus too. I'm tired of people defending Greg Williams. I'm tired of it. This is another thing that nobody's, nobody is blaming Greg Williams for the horrible defense. Nobody. And the thing is, you know what? Then go, if you have a problem, you need a pass rusher that bad, then go to freaking Douglas and say, go get me a pass rusher. I need a pass rusher. Or even wide receivers. We dressed four wide receivers this week. That's not acceptable. No. And there are guys, there are guys out in the free agency. And that's, and that's the problem with Gase. Like we said it last week. When it's not working to perfection, like meaning like, no, you know, Gase mails it in. He mails it in. He doesn't dress guys. Now we have a situation where we're holding four quarterbacks on a roster because Flacco's not healthy yet, and Morgan was drafted in the fourth round. You know, these are things that, to me, are just inexcusable. But what I love more than anything is I love, like, the guys like Meta who, like, the minute they see an opening to pounce, they pounce on Gates. Mm -hmm. And I ripped Meta today. 
because Maida like starts writing his bullshit. He starts writing like, oh, how gullible, you know, to believe in his bullshit. And I said, you did. I said, do we need to go back to the article? Wasn't it you that wrote that all the all the problems in Miami were quote overblown? Were wasn't he the one that said that this guy just wants people that eat and sleep football? Mm -hmm. Read the article where he says, you know, the rejoice Adam Adam Gase is a great hire article. He literally kisses the guy's ass for an entire page. Literally kisses the guy's ass. And not one time does he ever step foot and say, you know, I was wrong. They shouldn't have hired him. He never says that. He pretends like he never said it. But it's like, again, it's just deja vu from last year, Clem. We didn't have Darnold for three or four games, and Gase mailed it in. Have, and the thing is, the same people who are going to sit there and say, well, Sam doesn't have the weapons and he has in, you know, all these guys are hurt. Okay. Okay. Then I can play that card to defend Gase if I want to. No. You could. Yeah. I won't because uh, he shouldn't, it shouldn't have to be that way. But no, you're absolutely right. And you know, good coaches and good players make do with what they have. You know, and you, a perfect example is the 49ers. 49ers went out with all their backups basically on offense and tore apart the Giants' starting defense. They tore apart the Giants. Nick Mullins had over 300 passing yards. Jerick McKinnon looked great. Their, the the fourth-string running back looked great. The, Brandon Ayuk looked good. All The 49ers have a depleted roster, but you could see what good coaching can do, and it shows. It showed on the field that Nick Mullins looked like a – Nick Mullins looked like he's been in playing for play, been a starting quarterback for six years already. That's how good he looked yesterday. But the thing is, the Jets have played Philip Rivers before. Greg Williams has coached against Philip Rivers before. So what am I missing here? You see what I mean? And that's why I'm getting it in my head that I think the players are quitting on Gase. I think they're totally quitting on him. Now listen, does he deserve to be fired? Yes. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to dispute that. The fact is, three weeks in a row now, this team has looked unprepared. They look like they don't care. He's not really trying to, like, console his quarterback on the sideline. You know, when he throws a pick, he's not trying to tell him, you know, trying to give him, build him up some confidence or something like that. And, again, there's no game plan. There's zero game plan. Yes, did he make adjustments? He did. Herndon and Griffin were on the field a lot. You know, double tight end formation because those are his two best weapons. Of course, Griffin drops a couple of passes, which I'm getting sick and tired of watching Jets receivers drop passes. Last week, Herndon dropped a touchdown. This week, Griffin drops a pass right across the middle that would have been a first down. Crowder drops a pass, was dropping passes in the Buffalo game. Can't happen. It can't. Cannot happen. But it goes deeper than that, Clem. It goes much deeper than that. And what I mean by that is, is that you're starting to, you know, the organization as a whole has never had a strategy to attack the draft. They have never had a strategy to attack free agency. They don't address needs. They simply draft best player available. And I'm talking the middle rounds are the middle rounds. That's totally different. First round picks are needs. If you need a particular position, you got to go get it. The Jets needed a quarterback. That's why they drafted Sam. I'm not going to sit here and debate with Jet fans about, well, they should have drafted Josh Allen. Okay. I'm not getting into this hindsight bullshit. Okay. Because everybody thinks, and I've said this a million times over, everybody thinks they're a great general manager in hindsight. Yep. Everybody loves playing Monday morning quarterback. Everybody. It's that I told you so. They hate being wrong. 
I love the pick of Sam. I still like the pick of Sam. But the turnovers are alarming me. But it's a bigger thing than that, Clem. We've seen over the years, right? When we had Rex and we had Todd. First round pick, always a defensive player. Always. Okay, we go back to D. Milner, who had a history of injuries at Alabama. And Idzik drafted him. Sheldon Richardson didn't turn out to be a bad pick, but he had an attitude problem. He was always saying he always had an attitude about something. Hmm. He always looked like a miserable individual. If you saw him after games, I mean, yeah, they were losing team, but he just always looked like he was miserable. It was never his fault, you know? Hmm. And we keep going on and on. Quentin Copels had a, everybody questioned his work ethic. He was a good pass rusher, but everybody questioned his work ethic. Rex didn't care. He drafted him anyway. Alvin Pryor. Calvin Pryor was a hard-hitting safety. Nobody really knew much about him. He's not even in the league anymore. Eighteenth overall pick, not in the league from a few years ago. It's terrible. It just show. I think I. Th- I oh, it's just so bad. Like this. Like who's in charge of the scouting? Like who scouts these guys? Well, we've never we've never drafted a wide receiver in the first round. I don't remember the last time we drafted a first. What was it? Was Probably since Keisha. Yeah. Oh, right? We have never drafted a wide receiver in the first round. Up until recently, we drafted Denzel Mims. I think the last second-round receiver we drafted was Devin Smith. Oh. Ohio State. And he was a guy who couldn't stay on the field. Another guy who couldn't stop getting hurt. Stephen Hill. Stephen Hill is another guy. Potential, but he was a bad pick. Jason Morrow. Another good, great tight end in college. Yeah. Great tight end at Texas Tech. But he was just on the field. He was terrible. I won't play hindsight with those picks because at the time, I liked the Jason Morrow pick a lot. I thought the Jets needed a pass-catching tight end. Yeah, they did. Because I think, I think Dustin Keller just got injured. though. They just got rid of Dustin Keller. So they needed a tight end. It made perfect sense. It made all the sense in the world. But there's no strategy. There's no strategy. They give money out to guys that don't deserve it. Henry Anderson gets a three-year extension off one season clip. One season where he had like seven sacks. I mean, I liked Henry Anderson that year. I thought, I was like, okay, cool. We're bringing him back on a three-year contract. He's got to live up to it, man. He's been a huge bump. And that was the same thing even with Muhammad Wilkerson. Muhammad Wilkerson had this amazing year, 12 sacks, uh, how many tackles, whatever. He looked amazing. Deserved that contract that we gave him. Absolutely deserved it. Didn't play up to it after that. But think about it. Why are we hiring? Why are we drafting Leonard Williams when we were pretty much set on the defensive line? Why are we drafting Quinn and Williams when we were set on the defensive line? Defensive line was not a position of need. With the third overall pick, a pass rusher. We were, you know, that's why I said maybe Josh Allen would have been the better pick. I like Quentin Williams. I think he's playing okay. I think he gets a bit of a rough, you know, he gets a little bit of a raw deal from the fan base because they're expecting Aaron Donald. But again, it's just like, we, there's no strategy. You go into last year's off season, right? Mm-hmm. 2019, they have all this money to spend. They have like 90 million under the space and cap. They give a crazy large contract to CJ Mosley, which I liked because I like CJ Mosley. Then they give a crazy deal to Anthony Barr. And then luckily Anthony Barr decided not to take the money and go to Minnesota, go back to Minnesota. And then they give money to Le'Veon Bell, which is fine. But the problem is you didn't address the offensive line, which you needed. 
You didn't address the secondary, which you needed. You didn't try to get a pass rusher, which you needed. There's just no strategy to the way they do things. There's no rhyme or reason to it. No, they just I, throw money at all these random players. And look, and I'll, I'll give a good examples to, you know, look at, the, look at the Cowboys offense. They literally addressed everything on their possible offense. That, that they On paper, they have one of the best offenses in the league. The offensive line, stacked. They, they addressed the wide receiver position. They addressed the quarterback position, and they addressed the running back position. They, the, the Cowboys did it offensively-wise. They did it right offensively-wise. The Jets, you see the Jets, they're, they're, their offense stinks. They, they had, before Mekhi Becton, the, first, the last offensive lineman they drafted in the first round was Nick Mangold back yeah. in 2006. That was at the Brickenshaw-Ferguson draft. And Brickenshaw Ferguson, exactly. Those were the, they drafted two offensive linemen that year. They ended up being, those two guys ended up being uh, Jet Hall of Famers. But then again, now, now, let's go back to the 2020 draft, okay? You draft Mackay back then. Great draft pick. I love him. I, the guy's a beast. He totally shut down Justin Houston mm-hmm. until he got hurt. And then he shut down Nick Bosa for the most part in week two before he got hurt. Mm-hmm. Okay? The guy is a wall. That was good. Okay? He is very him. good so far. You know, three games, he's been very good. Now, look at the rest of the draft. Denzel Mims, solid pick. We needed a wide receiver. I have no problem with it. I know he's hurt. That's just the breaks. Can't do anything about that. Mm-hmm. I think I chalked that up, a lot of that up to the fact, again, no offseason, no OTAs, none of that stuff. But right. you do need to start looking into why these guys are getting hurt so much and why it's always a hamstring injury. Right. Is it the drills that you're running that's, you know, maybe putting a little bit more pressure on the hamstring? I, I don't know. Okay. The alarming number of hamstring injuries on this team is, is insane. Now, you look at the rest. This was a wide receiver rich draft. A lot of receivers that you could have had. Third round pick is a pass rusher. Okay. I don't love it, but I don't hate it either. Okay. But in the fourth round, again, why are you drafting a developmental quarterback? That's a waste. It's a waste of a pick, in my opinion. P. Ryan is fine. Even Cam Clark, who's also hurt, is fine. Because, you you know, lineman depth, you can't go wrong with drafting O-line. Okay? Mm-hmm. But it's just like, again, you're wasting picks. You wait last, the year before that, you wasted a fourth-round pick on Trevon Wesco, a blocking tight end. That's not where you draft a blocking tight end. Right. Okay. And this is where McCagden always screws the pooch. This is where the GM, because there's no strategy, none, zero strategy in how they do things. That's why this organization is so screwed up. And what alarms me now is you fire Gase on Friday. Quite frankly, I hope they lose to Denver. I hope they lose to Denver so I don't have to listen to Jeff fans bitch and complain about Gase anymore. Because when they fire Gase, guess what? You've got no excuses. Yeah. You've got zero excuses. I don't want to hear the Jet fan complaining, well, Gase did this and he totally screwed up Sam. No, Gase isn't there anymore. You don't get the right to do that. But what scares me, Clem, is that Greg Williams is going to take over the team. The team is going to respond to Greg Williams and play their hearts out for him. And that's going to delude the organization into thinking they found the guy to, to take over the job. It might, it, honestly... If Greg Williams comes in, if he, if and when he becomes the next interim head coach for this team, mm-hmm. and he does good, yeah. it might screw us because at this point, 
I think Jet fans who are, who have already jumped off the bridge, they're they're off the off the season already. Mm-hmm. They're expecting Trevor Lawrence in the draft this year, or at least the first pick. You know, whether it be Trevor Lawrence or not, I think Jet fans are expecting the first pick in this year's draft. And if Greg Williams does good, that might screw it up because then we lose even more if we have a middle round, a mid, a mid to first round pick right now. That kind of that kind of screws us up because then we lose the chance of getting. Javon, Jamar Chase, we lose the chance of getting the offensive tackle from Oregon or the or or Trevor Lawrence. So like it kind of like look, I want Gase fired as much as the next guy, but I mean, let him but stick out the season. We go Owens. You got to put a competitive product on the field. Yeah, you have to put a competitive product on the field. And right now, to me, it looks like the Jets are quitting on Gase. It totally looks like the Jets have quit on Gase. And now comes a report today. Well, first of all, it was first reported by Mortensen yesterday. I don't know if you saw a Sunday NFL countdown. Mort, Mort basically tweeted that the higher-ups are watching, monitoring Gase over these last couple of games. The next two games, meaning the Colts game and the Denver game, and if they don't see improvement, he's probably going to be gone or whatever. Doubling down on that, Colin Coward today on his radio show said, through his sources or through what he's hearing is that the Jets have already been in touch with agents to look at possible coaching candidates and that Gase could be out by Friday. Now, I don't know how much to make of this. So who knows? Who knows? I have no idea. Why would they hire someone from the outside to take over? Exactly. You're not going to hire somebody from the outside right now. It's, it's totally going to screw everything up. And quite frankly, is there anybody really good you want to – is there anybody really out there right now you want to hire from the outside? Yeah, it's not like we're hiring someone else's, you know, coordinator. We're going to hire a free agent uh, coach that no one else wanted. Yeah. So there's no reason why to even go this far. But if you're going to replace him in the interim, replace him in the interim. You know? Yeah. Make Greg Williams the head coach, and then that's it. I don't even know if I don't even know, man. Like honestly, okay, put Greg Williams in. I would make Jim Bob Cooter the offensive coordinator. Maybe having a different voice for Sam to listen to will help. Yeah, you know, maybe that's part of it. You know, Sam. You know, I think he'll devise a better game plan. I think the team will be more competitive because I, I just think that it's become. I think the Gay Act is tired, and I know you and I have defended him a little bit in the past. We've always felt that he was getting a bit of a bad rap, but at the end of the day. He needs, you know, he, I'm just surprised he doesn't devise ways to just be better. Yeah. Don't you want to shake this image of like what players have? I don't need, I don't want to see former Jets on other teams laughing at us and being all happy they're out of, you know, they're out of New York. You know, do I really need to see a a Instagram chat between Kelvin Beecham and Brandon Shell, two mediocre offensive linemen who did absolutely nothing for the franchise? Yeah. Talking about how happy they are in their new, in their new spots. I mean, like, I don't know what else to say, but it, this just goes back and it goes back. And you, I don't blame Gase for the problems with McCagnan. I don't blame Gase for what happened under Rex Ryan and all that stuff. The organization as a whole just has a very odd way of doing things. They never draft for necessity. They just seem to draft. They just throw picks out there, you know? Yeah, and we've seen that. And this was, this was probably like the first year in a while that we drafted a need. And we know we knew Douglas was going to either go with CD Lamb or Makai Beckton. We knew that was going to happen because 
because offensive line and wide receiver were two of our biggest our biggest holes last year. You know, we needed a wide receiver, especially after we let Robbie Anderson walk. We needed offensive linemen because we saw Sam had no time back there. So he did the safe pick and he picked Makai Becton, which is perfectly fine with me. I like, I love Makai Becton. I love him to death. But you see in years past, you know, even the year before that, Quinn and Williams. We didn't need Quinn and Williams. I like Quinn and Williams. We didn't need him, though. We had Steve McClendon, and Steve McClendon's going to be here for another year or two. So we definitely didn't need a defensive tackle. You know, year before that, we needed Sam. Okay, that was it. But prior to that, it was just like not, it was just nonsense, nonsense picks. And it just shows to you that, you know, drafting even Jamal Adams, sixth overall, didn't work out for us. Jamal Adams was great. But here's, a question for us. here's a question I have, Clem. Sam Darnold's been in the league for three years now. Mm-hmm. He's had three different coordinators. Okay. He was under, he came, he was drafted in 2018. So let's say this is his third year, excuse me. Okay, the first year he had Jeremy Bates, and everybody criticized Jeremy Bates for screwing up Sam Donald too. Mm-hmm. Nobody liked Jeremy Bates for handling Sam Donald. Nobody liked Dow Loggins and Adam Gaze handling Sam Donald. My question is, though, when does Sam start to adjust for himself? Is he just a product of the USC system? Is that why this is what it is? Is that what it is? Is he just a system quarterback that can only run one type of system? Look, there, he had problems coming out of the draft coming into the draft and we knew those problems like his ball handling but you know we all heard like he was a great leader he's a fast learner because he only I think he picked up the game of football his junior year in high school like we knew all these certain things and we're like okay this is this is what we're gonna love about Sam you know this is what we're gonna enjoy seeing Sam do we're gonna enjoy see Sam develop and be the quarterback he was his rookie year had a typical rookie year wasn't bad wasn't that good but you're like okay now he can develop off this we get a new offensive. We get a new head coach. We get a new offensive coordinator. All right, gotta take a step back a little bit. Sam's. This is really Sam's rookie year. Again, last year, not a bad season, not a good season, but you saw signs of life a little bit from Sam. You're like, all right, he probably took a step forward. This year, he's taken nine thousand steps back. He stinks. He's terrible. He, like again, this is year three. There are no excuses for some of the throws that he is making, and especially on the two pick sixes yesterday. He's got to be a better quarterback people, to better and no pass. You can't keep giving him my, – my message to the Jet fans and the B-Riders is this. You cannot be blinded by your gaze hatred to not see the problems with Darn. There are problems. Yes. I don't know if they can be fixed. I have no idea. But the Jets are in a very tough predicament if they wind up with the number one overall pick in the draft or even number two. Mm-hmm. I don't know who's going to go after Trevor Lawrence. I have no idea. But if Trevor Lawrence is available when the Jets are ready to draft, they may not have a choice. They may have to take Trevor Lawrence because if you pass on Trevor Lawrence and you throw all your chips into the middle of the table with Sam and he winds up being like a mediocre quarterback, like a guy who's good but should have been 10 times better, like a Stafford. Meanwhile, Trevor Lawrence takes whatever team he gets drafted to to the championship games and eventually the Super Bowl. That is going to be a huge, huge issue. Oh, yeah. That is going to be the mother of all black eyes on the Jets organization. And what will happen is, is that the fans will sit there and they'll go, well, Gase did this and I, you know, I hate Adam Gase or whatever. And Gase will be long gone. It'll be three years, two or three years later. Gase is no longer affiliated with the organization. 
and you had a chance to draft Trevor Lawrence and you didn't. Mm -hmm. And it almost may behoove you to trade Sam Donald to a team that he can help. Because if you're really serious about building this through the draft, then there's no point in keeping Sam Donald on his roster for another year. Yeah. Let him go to another team. If you want to trade him at the draft to like a team like the Steelers who may need him, I'm sure there are teams I will be calling for him. But at the end of the day, if you have a golden opportunity to take Trevor Lawrence and you pass on Trevor Lawrence to take Jamar Chase or to take the offensive lineman from Oregon, which again, not bad picks, but they're not Trevor Lawrence. Exactly. People... He is a difference maker at the position. Everybody says that, right? The tank for Trevor, suck for Sam, whatever it is. Okay. The problem is if you pass on him and you stick with Sam and Sam doesn't really take the steps that you wanted him to take, but he, you know, he improves under maybe some different guidance. That will be a major stain on the Joe Douglas legacy as general manager. No, it definitely will. And and me and you and some Jet fans have bought into what Douglas is selling. And we we like what Douglas has been doing with the team. I like yeah. Douglas. I, don't, I mean, listen, do I think Douglas should have maybe put in, brought, like, first of all, Douglas should have already brought in receivers. The fact that he hasn't is ridiculous. Yeah. Okay. Now, somebody had an interesting conspiracy theory today, which I wouldn't doubt, but I won't say for certain if it's true. They were basically saying that Douglas was basically taking his notes from Gase. So Gase is telling him, oh, yeah, let's go get Kalen Ballage. Let's go get – I can win with Kalen Ballage. I can win with these guys. So that when it's time to hold Gase's feet to the fire, Douglas sits there and says, well, these are the guys you told me you could win with, and you're not winning. So <laughs> you see what I mean? It's like I could – you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility. I think it's a bit extreme. It's not. But, but again, like even to go off your thing, I think I think every one of their mother knows Gase is going to be fired at either either this at some point this season or at the end of the season, and whether you know it's we bring in the enemy Arthur Smith, Lincoln Riley, whoever it is to be the new, new head coach of this team, if end all be all, it's their say in who they want to be their quarterback. You know, if they want to be if they want it to be Sam Donald. Then it's, they then they want to be Sam. They Donald. want to grow with a quarterback, and that's why the Jets have to start being aggressive when they go after coaching candidates. I don't want, I don't want another like Dan Quinn type of coach. I don't want a guy coming off a losing record. I don't want a guy. I don't want you know. I know everybody's going to say Eric Bieniemy. If I was Eric Bieniemy, I'd be salivating at the job in Atlanta mm-hmm. to take over for Quinn when with Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley. Do I look like I want to come here? No, but. You, you give them the money. You give Lincoln Riley the money to come here. You give Jim Harbaugh the money to come here if they want to come here. You show them you mean business, okay? Because one thing about Jim Harbaugh, I've never been a big fan of his, but he's won in the NFL. He has taken the 49ers to a Super Bowl. You got to think about that. You can't just go, okay, well, Dan Quinn's available. Let's go hire Dan Quinn. There's a reason why Dan Quinn is available. Now, if you want to put Dan Quinn as your defensive coordinator, I got no problem with that. Neither do I. Okay. But this is the type of shit that Christopher Johnson's always done in the past. He he deludes himself into believing, like, oh yeah, he just he just had a rough spot in Atlanta, but I think he's going to be good for this team. It was like Buffalo would make that mistake year in and year out. Remember when Buffalo hired Rex from us? Yeah. Coming off a four and twelve season, and you think Rex is the guy that was going to lead Buffalo? 
And then finally the bills wised up and they hired McDermott. It's just that, the, I, I mean, I, I don't really know what else to say. I guess I'm secretly hoping the Jets lose on Thursday because they're going to, if they win the game like 14 to 10, let's say, they're going to delude themselves into thinking that, okay, we're right on track. We're ready to go. And then they're going to show up against Arizona completely lifeless. You also have to figure out what the status is of these guys. You keep saying they're day to day, but then they don't practice. They don't play. If a guy's hurt now, just put him on IR. Yeah. If Perryman is hurt, let him rest for three weeks. And personally, I think if we had a healthy Perryman, I think he would be just as good as Robbie Anderson. That, and that's also, you know, the problem we, we face with signing Perryman. We, we knew he had a history of injuries. And it's kind of like we knew this would happen. So, like, why would we sign him? And I, I don't disagree with signing Perryman. I like the Perryman signing. But it's like in the back of our minds, we like he has had a, a history of injury. So, like, why did we kind of sign him a little bit if he's going to be? He drafted him in Baltimore. That's why he signed him. He knows. Yeah. Okay. Most, a lot of this is all affiliation. Why did Robbie Anderson sign with Carolina? Who's his head coach? Matt Rule. Who was his coach at Temple? Matt Rule. The defense rests. Okay. <laughs> Players are going to go to teams as free agents that they feel comfortable with. Or it's either two things, money or comfort. Why did Frank Gore choose to come to the Jets? He's friends with Adam Gase. He loves Adam Gase. That's why he came to, to New York. Okay. Why did Jamison Crowder come to New York? Probably more for money because he got paid a, a decent amount. And he's earned his contract. I don't disagree with that. He has, he absolutely has. He's been terrific. I mean, the injury is a tough blow, but on the field, I have not, I couldn't have asked for anything more out of Jamison Crowder. Guys are going to go to teams that they feel comfortable with. They know the coaches there. They know the system. You know, they're not going to just join a team just to join a team unless they're getting blown out the water for money. Why did C.J. Mosley go to the Jets over the Ravens? He got a ton more money than Baltimore was going to pay him. A ton. And quite frankly, while I understand, I respect C.J.'s decision to opt out, he owed it to this friggin' team to play this year. After missing all of last year with that groin injury. He owed yeah. it to them. I no. understand why he did it, but I think he owed it to them to be there. Next year, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know. Maybe they try to ship him out too, because again, they're not, they're not anywhere. What are they going to do? Yeah. You see this team being, I mean, next year might be different because they're going to have cap space and draft picks. So maybe they can rebuild it on the fly, but Doug, I hope Douglas has a plan. Cause right now I'm a little concerned, but he, he doesn't, I like, I, I am a little bit like, I, like I said, like me and you, we bought into what Douglas is doing. And so have other people, but like it, you scratch your head a little bit when you know, there are still free agent wide receivers out there, but you're dressing guys like Chris Hogan, Braxton Barrios, Josh Malone, and Lawrence Cager. It's like, really? Like, Demarius Thomas is still out there. Taylor Gabriel are still out there. They're not the sexiest names out there, but they can run circles around the wide receivers we have. So it's like, it's a bit of a head scratcher a little bit for like what Douglas is actually doing. Maybe he just wants to suck, and it's like, you know what? We'll have the first over pick. We'll draft Trevor Lawrence. We'll, we'll trade back and get Jamar Chase and these guys and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know. I really don't know at this point what Douglas is doing. I mean, it sounds like to me like he just wants to build it through the draft. It's the only thing I can think of. It's the only thing that makes sense. He values the draft. He values the, he values the draft a lot. So you're going to see him during the draft trade down. 
you're going to see him try to acquire more picks. That's what he's going to try to do. He's not going to try to do anything else. He's going to try to acquire more picks. Because I think he needs, he wants to build a foundation. But again, it's just like, I kind of knew, not to say I knew this was coming. I mean, I didn't expect him to be this bad. The fact that they're just not scoring points and they're just, you know, they're just non-competitive. And again, I really think they've quit on the team. I think they've quit on the coach. Mm-hmm. And as soon as Gase is gone, you'll hear all the players talking shit about how he was terrible. You know, he didn't really want to do this. He didn't want to do that because that's their out. That's their out for their crappy play. You know, mm-hmm. that is their out. And it's just, it's infuriating. It's infuriating as a, you know, and I don't need to see Jamal Adams on Twitter every time they win a game, talk about every day, every week. It's like, oh, he's three and oh. Yeah, your defense got shredded for 500 total yards. But the third, second out of two out of three weeks, his defense has gotten shredded. Wilson is not going to save your ass every week. You better be prepared for that. You know, it's all high and mighty right now, but the minute they start losing, we'll see how Prez feels then. Yeah. We'll, see, we'll see if Prez is that, you know, is that beneficial. You know, as for the Giants, this was a team that was funny because it was a tale of two teams in New York. The Jets were the laughing stock, and the Giants were, yeah, we're going to play hard for Joe Judge. That we're going to be this real hard-nosed football team and everything like that. Did you see that yesterday at all? No. Not even close. Not even close. The defense got shredded. They didn't tackle anybody. On top of that, these guys were running into the end zone untouched. Untouched, just like Mostert did against the Jets. And it was funny because everybody started turning on Daniel Jones. Now, look, in Jones's defense, not having Saquon is a big deal, especially on a torn ACL. You just signed Devontae Freeman off the street this week. Deion Lewis is not really a guy you're going to hand the ball to 20 times a game. He's more of like a James White, like a pass catcher type of back. But with what they have, with Evan Engram, with Darius Slayton, and with Golden Tate, that should be enough to get them by for a while. Mm-hmm. And their offensive line stinks. Andrew Thomas has been brutal to start the season. He has. And Jones is a turnover machine. He turns the ball over too much. He doesn't protect the football well. And now the Giant fan is starting to turn on Daniel Jones. One guy even said, oh, yeah, if we get the idea, we should draft Trevor Lawrence. Are you all ready to give up on, Tre- on Daniel Jones this quickly? I, I pe- people just see what happened with the Cardinals and they gave up after with Rosen after one year, drafted Kyler Murray and the Cardinals are the next big thing. And people see that and that's why I think people are so quick to 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 get rid of Daniel Jones and Sam Darnold because they saw what the Cardinals did and just like, all right, maybe maybe they did something right here. You know, we're not fully committed. I mean, jo- and look and let's not let's not let's forget let's not forget. Joe Judge has no ties to uh, to Daniel Jones. Look, I, I like Daniel Jones. I think he can be very good. But again, it's the same excuse that you can make for Sam that Sam had last year. Different coaches, different coordinators. You know, you can make these excuses. All right, fine. But again, like you said, this is year two from a guy who had a pretty good rookie year. You should be developing off that, and you shouldn't be. You should still be learning how to control the football, protect the football. And he's not, and he's not doing that, which is a little bit concerning. But if I was a Giants fan, I wouldn't jump off the bridge yet with 
with Daniel Jones. It's hard to think that the Giants were going to take a step back in some way, shape, or form. Your second-year quarterback now has to learn a whole new offense under Jason Garrett. And all I really heard all offseason was like, yeah, Jason Garrett's going to be great for Daniel Jones, going to be great for Daniel Jones, or whatever. Now, right now, through three games, I don't see it. Mm -hmm. The Giants have been somewhat competitive. I won't say they haven't. They've been, but, I mean, come on. Are you really taking moral victories here for an 0-3 football team that lost 36-9? to mm-hmm. I mean, look, the Jets are a disaster in every stretch of the word. I mean, word. I mean, there's no question about that. I think it was a necessary evil at the end of the day to trade Jamal Adams to get draft picks because they weren't winning with Jamal Adams anyway, right? Right. No, they weren't. Were they winning any games with Jamal Adams? He was not the difference maker in our in our wins. Like. Think about it. Today, it was somebody had tweeted something about Darnold, and they're like, Robbie Anderson is sixth in receiving yards, and Jamal Adams is three and up. Yes. And in the three years that we had Sam, Jamal, and Robbie, the team went five and 11, four and 12, and seven and nine. Okay. We weren't winning with them. It's no, listen, I love, I like Jamal Adams when he's here. I, I really did. Do I think he was a bit of a head case? Yes. Do I think he's a douchebag now? Of course I do. Because he's gloating about it on Twitter. That, that's all. That's really what it is. He's a he's a media whore. He loves he loves the attention. He loves the attention. He's tweeted out more during the season than I've seen him than any time he did with the Jets. Okay, I lost respect for Jamal Adams when the excuses were all over the place. I couldn't figure out which was the real reason. Was he winning? Was it because of winning? Was it because of money? Because it sounded like first it was because of money, because mm-hmm. he weren't getting paid. Then it became winning. Then it became about Gase. Right. Then he said in that ridiculous podcast, he said that, well, I didn't want to leave New York, but I felt like I had to force my way out. Well, if you didn't want to leave New York, then you need to start, you know, you wanted dogs. They went out and got you dogs, right? Yeah, they got they got their guy. They wanted dogs. You remember he was talking shit on Twitter? Oh, we got to get some dogs here. Yep. Went out and got Bell. Went out and got Mosley. They were still a bad team. It was still a bad team at the end of the day. But the Giants, it's different, though. The Giants have wep- they have weapons. They shouldn't be this bad. Right. They should not be this bad. Even without Saquon Barkley, their running game should be able to handle the load for the season. Because you still have a lot of capable receivers in Golden Tate, in Darius Slayton, and Evan Ingram. Well, the, th- the thing is, yesterday, and I'm looking at the stats now, I don't think they have really much confidence in their running game since Saquon went down because between Freeman, Gallman, and Lewis, they had a combined 10 rushes. It's not good at all. Your starting running back, whether it be Gallman, Lewis, or Freeman, should be at least getting 10 touches the most. And again, this I, I it just wasn't a good game by the Giants yesterday. And like you said, they do have weapons. I wouldn't say Deion Lewis is a, a bad running back, but I would certainly say he wasn't good. He's not amazing, and neither is Wayne Gallman. Wayne Gallman's not terrible, but he's not good either. But-, but the problem is the Giants have kind of put themselves in a weird spot because another crappy season could be the end of Gettleman. Mm-hmm. But Gettleman hired Joe Judge. So if you hire a new general manager, you're probably going to have to promote somebody from within them because you're not going to hire somebody from the outside because what if they don't want Joe Judge? Right. So what do you do then? You kind of put yourself in a little bit of a pickle here. Because, and Gettleman has done a bad job. He has not done a good job with the, with the building of this roster. I mean, this is what it is. We gave him, you know, gave him a little bit of a break. 
because Daniel Jones turned out to be, you know, in his first year, turned out to be good. Led this year so far through three games, he has not been good. Yeah, he's not. It's, it's again, like I, as much as I like Golden Tate and I like Sterling Shepard, I still think he need. I still think they're not like an elite level of wide receiver where it's like, okay, you know, Daniel Jones is a little bit comfortable. Like they should have got a little bit more weapons for him. And Saquon's great. Saquon's obviously a great running back, and you don't. You don't expect Saquon to miss some time. Unfortunately, he did tear his ACL. You brought in Devontae Freeman. All right, that was a good signing. But I still think you need to bring in a little bit more help to help out Daniel Jones. But again, he's got to learn to protect the ball first before he does anything because he has a big fumbling problem and he throws the, he throws too many interceptions. Yep. And, and, especially and on top of that, the, def- the defense isn't that good, although Leonard Williams had another sack. So I guess that's, I guess that's a positive, right? The only the only good player who's been good been good on this defense has been James Bradbury. Mm-hmm. That's and that's it. But again, that it, there's no excuse why the 49ers were able to put up 36 points yesterday when they were playing with all backups. Like again, no excuse. Brandon Ayuk had 70 yards, and that was what his first game playing, I think. And guys, like, guys like Jerry, the thing was the 49ers in a way were playing scared because they didn't want to lose guys to injury. Exactly. They didn't want to lose anybody to injury because they were bitching and complaining about the MetLife turf. Exactly. The 49ers came into that game with a depleted roster, and definitely they were scared for playing on the same turf where they just lost all five of their start of their best players. So they were definitely scared. And you mean to tell me that the Giants couldn't put up more than nine points or at least hold the, the 49ers to under 24? That's terrible. That is terrible. And, then, and again, I, I mean, listen, I think it's way too early to give up on Daniel Jones. But again, everybody sees the Trevor Lawrence at the end of the rainbow and they're ready to dump Daniel Jones just like that. I mean, I think the kid can play. I just think he's got to turn, you know, I think in some ways he's similar to Darnold in that he's good, but he makes really crucial mistakes. Now, the difference is Darnold is a third year quarterback and Daniel Jones is a second year quarterback. Okay. But the problem, it's just bigger than that. And it's, it's infuriating watching the way they, they play because they, you know the potential's there. And in Daniel Jones's case, he's got better personnel around him than, than Sam Donald does. But even if Sam Donald doesn't have A-plus receivers at every position, he should be better than this. And that's what I was trying to say because I was debating with Jet fans today about it. And, you know, Jet fans immediately run to the excuse. And I'm like, again, you're just making excuses for the guy. You know, he should be better than this. He's worked with Ryan Griffin before. He's worked with Chris Herndon. Why can't he get these guys more involved? Exactly. And, you know, the good quarterbacks in the league make do with what they have. Yeah, Peyton Manning probably never had the best wide receivers over the years, but he made do with what he had. You know, whether it was Pierre Garçon, uh, Anthony Gonzalez, he made those guys relatively good wide receivers. Tom Brady. Look, Tom Brady. Tom Brady. He's- Tom Brady at one point had, last year, had Nikhil Harry, Matthew Slater, and granted he had Edelman, but, you know, he didn't have Gronk. Yeah, no Gronk, yeah. I mean, like, he, he's making do, and even Mohamed Sanu, who was bad for New England last year. The but good- he always had that safety net. He always had James White, and he always had Rex Burkhead, and he always had Julian Edelman. Where are Sam's safety receivers? Guys like, like I said, Chris Herndon. He had a pretty good rapport with Chris Herndon in 18. What happened? Yeah. Ryan Griffin was catching passes left and right for the Jets last year. 
I mean, like you, you have to work these guys in more. They should be on the field the whole game. Yeah. I like the fact that Lawrence Cager was on the field. He should be on the field. He should be catching balls. He's a good, he's, he could be a good receiver. He could. Yeah. You know, but- maybe he's starting to work a little bit more with Braxton Berrios. Berrios catches everything. That's his Julian Edelman right there. Caught another touchdown last uh, yesterday. But what I see in the Giants is I see the I see the level of talent is better, but they're not they they just look bad. And and Joe Judge is going to get a pass this year. He's a rookie head coach. He's not going to they're not going to fire him after this year. They're not going to fire him after six games. He's going to get a pass. What do we always say on the show, Clem? First year coaches always are playing with house money. Mm-hmm. They rarely, if ever, get fired. It's rare. But the thing is, the team's got to be better. And now next week, you go across cross country to Los Angeles to play a really pissed off Rams team. After that show, where they the Rams got completely hosed on a pass interference call that set up Buffalo to win the game. I mean, it is bad right now, the state of sports in, in New York. Yeah, it's real bad. It's I was real- thinking about it today. I'm like, no, no team is good except for the Islanders. I guess you could say the Nets, and that's a good. But other than those two teams, that's it. The thing is, is that even the Yankee fan is not the most optimistic about them winning the series this year. Right. The team stumbled. They got shut out yesterday. You know, they lost their last series against Miami, which put them in a, in a playoff series against Cleveland, which may be the one team you didn't want to play because of, you know, Cleveland has great hair. Jose Ramirez has been amazing this year for Cleveland. Not to mention Shane Bieber, Plesak, I mean, Carrasco. I mean, they're pretty loaded in the, in the rotation. They have, a, they have a solid bullpen. I don't know if this is a team that you want, you know, to play. It's, 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 yeah, playing the Indians in the first round of the playoffs is definitely tough. And especially when you're going, when it's going to be Cole versus Bieber in the first game and Bieber just won the, pitch, the AL Triple Crown. It, it's definitely intimidating, and I think whoever wins this, this is a, the, the first. We ne- I don't think I've ever heard someone say, or anyone's ever say, game one is a must win. But this is a must win for the Yankees. They have to win this. No fans, and you're not at Yankee Stadium. You're in a bubble, and the bubble affects Cleveland too. So don't you know? Don't get that twisted. But the fact is, is that this is a different type of scenario, and and the Yankees were not a good team away from Yankee Stadium this year. Mm-hmm. They were 11 and 18. And on top of that, they lost two out of three to the Marlins over the weekend, which could have maybe, I don't know if it could have, I mean, they were all jockeying for positions, so it, could, it couldn't have, it could have only helped them if they had beaten the Marlins. Right. But, it, you know, and then, you know, you take a team like the Mets. The Mets pretty much not necessarily controlled their own destiny. I won't go that far. They need a lot of help to get into the playoffs, but all they have to do is win games against a Nationals team who was basically playing out the string. And they go into that DeGrom game. They, they got rained out Friday. They go into the DeGrom game Saturday. DeGrom's looking good to start. They're up three to one. They get homers from Ramos and Rosario. And DeGrom fell apart. Mm-hmm. And then the team fell apart. And they lost four to three. And just like that, all's gone. Then they go into game two and Rick Porcello, who all offseason was like, oh, this is my favorite team in the world. I'm so happy to be a Met. This is my like a dream come true and everything like that. 
and he pitches them to a one and seven record with an ERA over six. And he was awful in game two. Gave him no chance to compete for. And by that time, I think the Mets had just mailed it in anyway. Mm-hmm. This is not a good look going into an offseason with a brand new owner and will most likely be a brand new president and general manager. Is this the look that Luis Rojas wants to present to Sandy Alderson right now? Nope. They not finished 26 and 34 in an expanded season, expanded playoffs. Finished 26 and 34, tied for last place with Washington. Mm-hmm. It's it, it's not it's not a good look. It's definitely not a good look for Luis Rojas, and it's definitely not good when you see that the Marlins were able to make the playoff. And we all Mar- who the Marlins who dealt with a coronavirus outbreak, mm-hmm. where 18 players were infected. They were calling up guys from Single A and Double A, and who had never touched the major leagues, who had never touched Triple A, let alone the major leagues. And the Marlins were still finding ways to win games. Exactly. Still beating the Mets. Mm-hmm. Putting them out back-to-back games of a doubleheader. You look back on this shortened season, and while I'm not a huge fan of it, and I'm kind of – part of me is glad the Mets are not in it because they wouldn't get the respect they deserve anyway. Right. You look back on those games, and they just infuriate you how they have chances. 7-2 to lead against the Yankees in the first game of a doubleheader at Yankee Stadium. They blow the game and they lose. Game two, they give up a grand slam to Gary Sanchez and lose the game. Should I continue? Six-run lead again twice against the Braves in Atlanta. Blew the game. Lose 11-10. to Opening weekend against Atlanta. They're winning game two, two to one. Diaz gives up the home run to Ozuna and they lose an extra inning. They make zero effort to compete. Zero effort to compete. Mm-hmm. They get swept out of their own. They get swept in Philadelphia. No, uh, no effort against Zach Wheeler. No effort against Aaron Nola. After they blew the game on Friday, the Friday, the Friday game. This is why I'm not a huge Rojas guy. Do I think Rojas deserves another year? Yeah, sure. You can find somebody better by all means. Don't hire another pitching coach or whatever. That's like a flavor of the month candidate. <laughs> If you find a guy like a Bruce Bochy, then you can try to lure him over to the Mets. Then mm-hmm. I would say, okay, fine. And I'm fine with getting rid of Rojas. That's what I'm saying. I, and I, I, I said this when we were looking for a manager after we fired Beltran, after we had to get rid of Beltran. I wanted a guy like Dusty Baker or Buck Showalter or, or Bochy or one of those kind of guys, a hard-ass manager that needs to give a good kick in the ass to this team because we have a lot of young guys on this team who need that kick in the ass. I mean, granted, yeah, we had – probably one of the better offensive uh, teams in the, in the in Major League Baseball. But again, there were some times, like you mentioned, with the pitching staff, it's like, okay, there's only so much the pitching coach can do. The manager has to get in there and coach these guys. Yeah. But the thing is, what did I say about Rojas, Clem? I said, the one thing I didn't like about Luis Rojas is the fact that he doesn't he doesn't feel a sense of urgency. That's one thing I've always seen with our teams, Clem. You know, the Islanders were notwithstanding. Okay. The Mets and the Jets in particular. Okay. They never feel a sense of urgency. They never get fired up to play a big game. Mm-hmm. Everything is always, yeah, we're not panicking. We're not panicking. We're not panicking. Okay. For the Jets, when they need a game desperately to stay alive, they never show up. They always lose by some ridiculous thing or just, they just don't, they just, it's a, they pull a no show. 
They're building on a two-game winning streak or whatever. They go into a game against a winnable opponent. Last year it was Cincinnati. The year before that, it was against Cleveland with Todd Bowles. The year before that, it was against Denver with Todd Bowles. But Denver was bad, and they went into Denver, got shut out. And they never get it. There's never a sense of urgency to play hard, consistent football or baseball for however many innings. The Mets do this all the time. And what I've, the reason why I'm not a huge fan of having Rojas on the team is because the players love him too much, and he has a tendency to really downplay a lot of the stuff. And when you do that a lot of times, what normally happens, your players start to say, well, if he doesn't care, I don't. If he's not worried, I'm not. And then you see the lack of, you know, they can't get runners in scoring. They can't score with runners in scoring position. They just lose on the weirdest things you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And there's Rojas again after every game. Nah, we're not panicking. We're okay. We're not panicking. 30 games left in the season. No, no, we're not panicking. Everything's going to be fine and all that stuff. I mean, it's just, I don't know. I don't know what else to really say at this point. That's the main reason why I don't want Rojas. And it's the same thing I say about Gase. Because what I love about players is, players, and I see this a lot in the NBA too, players bitch and complain all the time when they're not happy. Take our boy Prez, right? Take Adams. I can't make heads or tails of why Adams was not happy in New York. To this day, I still can't. It was either about not being paid or it was about this or it was about that or Douglas lied to me. Then you heard a story that he was trying to convince Dallas players to tell Jerry Jones to go get him, which makes him look like a bigger jerk off at the end of the day, in my opinion. But they're never happy. People like Jamal Adams are never happy. Yeah, he's happy now because they're 3-0. and And they're barely winning games, by the way. Barely. The Patriots should have beat them in week two. And Dallas should have probably beat them in week three. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're not going to keep getting this lucky every week. So enjoy it because it only gets tougher. And when guys start coming back and you start playing the Arizona Cardinals and you start playing the, the 49ers twice a year, and even the Rams who have been, who have been surprisingly good, we all don't get to work for the greatest bosses in the world. Mm-hmm. Hell, I don't like my boss. I respect my boss because he, you know, he runs the department, but I'm not a huge fan of his from a personal standpoint. He's not a personal fan of mine because he doesn't understand why I've survived at my job for so long. And he's not wrong. Anybody could do my job. It's not, it's not, I'm not saying that the hotel would burn to the ground if I wasn't there, but he just doesn't, he doesn't understand why we, the hotel hasn't gotten rid of me and just replaced me with somebody else. But I'll go to work every day. Mm-hmm. And I will, you know, I may not agree with my boss's decisions, but I will go to work and give him my, my effort, 100% effort every day. When you hear this crap now about, you know, quitting on the team and, well, I don't like Gase and all that stuff. It, it's always something. When do these guys get satisfied? Because the Jets have given them coaches they like and they still didn't win. The Giants have given them coaches that they like and they still haven't won. Not since Coughlin. And they hated Coughlin. Coughlin was a drill sergeant. They hated Coughlin. But Coughlin got them to win. Yeah. And that's what that's what I, you know, whether you like Belichick or not, you hate him. He knows he knows how to win. 
and you use a right He pushes the right buttons, and you'll hate him up and down, and you'll hate the brutal practices, and under your breath, you'll call him a prick, and you'll call him whatever, every other name in the book. But at the end of the day, you're winning. Who cares? Who cares at this point? Right. And that's my point. Jets players were ecstatic to have Rex Ryan, ecstatic to have Todd Bowles, and they rarely won. They rarely won. They won one season under Bowles and two years under Rex. Three seasons out of, what, seven? Not even 50% of the time. Terrible. Meanwhile, Gase comes in. He has a reputation. And again, we weren't crazy about the hire. We didn't want the hire. We wanted McCarthy. I wanted Mike McCarthy. And Gase comes in and he's Gase and he doesn't like to, he doesn't coddle players. He doesn't, you know, right? He doesn't coddle players. He does, he's not the kind, he's not going to be your best friend. He's not going to have beers with you after the game. And he's not going to stroke Jamal Adams' ego all the time. And players still play like shit for him. And it's his fault at the end of the day. It's not their fault. It's his fault. Guys like Avery Williamson, guys like, um, guys like Avery Williamson, guys like Jamal Adams, guys like Bradley McDougal are trying to act like it's his fault that our practices suck. You know, it's his fault that this doesn't happen. I mean, like when is enough enough? Yeah, it's like, when is it like, and like you always say, when is it on the players? You know, it's, sometimes the players have to take accountable, especially the Jets, but even going back to the Mets, like, it's just, it's just really tough to have confidence in, in Rojas when he was, when this kind of season happened and you see that the Marlins make the playoffs with, with what they had. You mean to tell me that the Mets couldn't make, make the playoffs with the roster they had? No, it comes down to the coaching at that point. And as much as I like Rojas, I think he's got to go. I think he's got to go. I mean, I just think it's one of these situations right now where basically it's just like, you know, I don't know. I got, is this what the Mets really need? Do the Mets need, do the Mets need a guy like Luis Ross? Do they need more of a guy who's pressure, who's, you know, who's a pressure coach, who's a guy that's going to, you know, who's going to pretty much, put pressure on guys like Pete Alonso to be better rip the team when the, when they don't score for DeGrom. Okay. How many times you see that? Okay. And this is also why I say that we need to start being more aggressive in free agency because you're wasting DeGrom years. You are wasting DeGrom. You cannot, you got to stop wasting this guy. Give me one second. I'm trying to find the the Manish Mader, the Rejoice Manish Mader article. And I'm just, I'm giving you an example of what I'm talking about though. Okay. Because it is a big deal. And it's a big deal to me because like, quite frankly, it's just like, you, you hear this crap all the time. And then it's basically like, oh yeah, now all of a sudden I'm completely turning on the guy because he was mean to me at a press conference or something. But it's just like it's it's enough. Like you know, you're you're not you're you're not you're not happy with a coach that pushes your buttons, and you're not happy with a coach that is your that you don't play hard for a coach that you really like. Right. 
And the thing is, again, it's just, it's one of those situations where the Mets have to stop being a laughing stock. They have to stop. They have to start figuring out, you know, okay, we're not very far off. We have the hitting. We just need to kind of tweak it a little bit and we need to strengthen our, our rotation. If you do that, you're going to be, you're good as gold. I mean, like, but again, the only way you do that is spending aggressively. Yeah. Now everybody wants a strategic spending plan. I don't have a problem keeping Rojas for next year, but Rojas has to be a little bit more aggressive with these guys. He's got to start being more aggressive. He's got to start basically saying, like, you guys need to start getting your act together. No, you're absolutely right. Like, these guys, whether – I mean, whether Rojas or whoever our new uh, coach is, they have to give these guys a kick in the ass, you know, and it's it really – because we, we, we're there. We're close. We're close, especially after the offensive season we saw we had. You know, we know – we see Robinson Cano had a, a great batting year. Conforto had a great batting year. McNeil's great. We love Jimenez. Pete Alonso's Pete Alonso. We had a good, we had a good batting, and we it, yeah, it comes down to the pitching because other than Degrom, our starting pitching wasn't that good, it, and we were riddled with injuries in starting pitching. And you know as well as I do, pitching's going to win us games. So yeah, we do have to go and fix that. But that's with with a guy like Steve Cohen as our as our president, who who is quote unquote going to buy. We're going to get a bunch of players this year. That's fine. It, now then, it's up to the manager to give these guys a kick in the ass and be like, all right. We have the team. The team is here. We could win the World Series. We can make the playoffs. We need that kind of manager. We don't need a. We don't need a buddy. We, we don't need a, a buddy who will be friends with the players. We need someone who will kick these guys in the ass. Now, I found the article. Okay. I'm going to read you the first paragraph, and this is why I say Manish is a hypocrite. And this is what I'm talking about, though. It's just like you people. Everybody turns on these guys so quickly. So this was from Manish wrote this article on on January 10th, 2019. At 12.20 a.m., so he must have been either drunk or stoned or something like that when he wrote this article. He's smart, confident, and doesn't put up with any BS. This is the first paragraph, Clay. He realizes that a rotten culture will destroy everything. He's got no time for knuckleheads. The Jets hit a home run by hiring Adam Gase to be their next coach. Gase's creative mind and experience developing quarterbacks made him an ideal choice to springboard the Jets and Sam Donald into the future. Let's see what else it is. Uh, Regardless, Gase was the right choice. The Jets interviewed eight candidates, including well-regarded Buccaneers offensive coordinator Todd Munkin, not a bad choice for a a coach. I think he's at Georgia right now. And former Packers head coach Mike McCarthy. Rumblings that Gase was some sort of caustic presence who alienated Dolphins players were overblown or just plain untrue. You're going to tell me that one, here's, here's my personal favorite, one giant myth. Gase did not lose the Miami locker room. How are you going to tell me that you turned on this guy so fast Because of what? One maybe unisolated incident? Here's the rest of it. The reality from talking to people in the know is that Gase was a terrific communicator with players with a keen understanding of player psychology designed to build confidence. He had one unyielding requirement. You have to love football. Gase wanted players to eat, sleep, and breathe the game. Publicly or privately whining about contracts or playing time was a one-way ticket out of town. 
You have to respect that about the man. He didn't put up with garbage. He respected players and asked for one thing in return, respect the game, right? It's it just like, I mean, do I even need to continue? <laughs> First of all, this just proves that what we've been saying about Gase, that he's a schmuck and a clown, it's true. The guy's an ass. This guy sucks at what he does. <laughs> but it's like, scorned former Dolphins players Jarvis Landry's and Jordan Phillips' tweets in the wake of Gase's ouster merely confirmed their knucklehead status. This is a Jets beat writer who is now killing the guy left and right any chance he gets. The thing is, players are never going to be happy. You're just never going to be happy who you work for sometimes. I mean, listen, I've worked for, over the years of working at the hotel, I've worked for pricks. I only had one good boss when I worked in sales, as far as I'm concerned. And he was kind of a guy that didn't feel like he had to babysit me or didn't feel like he had to monitor me or anything. But he just, we, he knew, he just wanted me to do my job. And he left me alone nine times out of 10. As long as I didn't show up on his radar, he was fine. Yeah. He liked the way I worked and that was it. You're never going to be happy with who you work with. I mean, but you got to play hard for the guy too. And that's where I question her. I mean, listen, we know he's a bad coach. I'm not saying he's a good coach, but are you really putting in your max effort for the guy? I don't think they are. And I don't think they did it under Todd Bowles either. I think they got, you know, with Todd Bowles, it was the same thing. They said all the right things in, in post game and during the week, but game day, no show. I mean, it, it's, it's tough to say what it actually is, you know? It, yeah. It, it, it looks like they don't show up to play at all. And it's like, and you would think that, you know, with all like the, the hot news coming out before the game that, you know, Gase's job is Gase's job just got even hotter. You'd think like, you know, Gase would be like, all right, let me go prove something to everyone and do this stuff. And you saw it a little bit. Like you said, he made adjustments. You know, you saw Sam air out the ball more. You saw these guys, certain guys play differently. All right, maybe that was him. And maybe, yeah, you're right, that the players just aren't showing up. Or it could just be the fact that these guys just suck. Like, it's just. Yeah, I mean, and that's a, and the thing is, that's an indictment on the scouting department. That's the indictment on the general managers of the past. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I mean, just some of the decision-making is just very odd. And that's why the Jets are where they are right now. And they're not getting any better. And all you have to hope for at this point is that Douglas Douglas is doing the right thing. That he's, you know, maybe this is his grand plan to show you the fan base how flawed this roster really is. Right. Maybe that's his way of saying, listen, under GMA, GMB, and GMC, they have done nothing, nothing to, you know, Put the line, make the offensive line a focus to protect your quarterback and give your running back a hole to open from. They've never addressed cornerbacks to block, you know, to defend certain, you know, receivers. They've never, they've never invested money in a pass rush. I mean, like that, that's very telling. And I think that's the message that Douglas is trying to send at the end of the day. Yeah. You can clearly tell that Idzik and McCagnan really screwed up this franchise drafting wise and free agent wise because it's like like we mentioned you know they draft they drafted shitty players who aren't on the team anymore we think about it darren lee's not even on the team anymore darren if we look let's break down who idzik and mckagnon drafted 13 uh idzik drafted d milner sheldon richardson sheldon (laughs) was all right then became a problem d milner always sucked 
2014. Who does he Idzik draft again? Calvin Pryor. All right, Idzik's gone now. We bring in Mike McCagnin. Mike McCagnin drafts Leonard Williams. He drafts someone that I can't remember. Jamal Adams, Sam Darnold, and then Quinn and Williams. But let, but you think about it even like this, Clint. Apparently in 2016. Think about it like this, Clint. If McCagnin, when McCagnin spent money, what did he do? He gave Darrell Revis a monster contract to come back. As almost like a mea culpa, we're sorry for letting you go to New England. He gave money to Antonio Cromartie. I mean, some of the moves were very questionable at the time. I mean, listen, I loved having Revis back. Don't get me wrong. But in the second year, Revis just didn't give a shit after a while. He didn't care. Like, he, you could see it in his play. He was getting torched. He was getting torched by, by the Cincinnati Bengals. I was at the game. I, I, couldn't, I could tell you clear as day. And then in his second chance, with all this money, again, C.J. Mosley, great signing. Did he overpay for him? Yeah, he overpaid for C.J. Mosley. He overpaid for Le'Veon Bell without giving him running, without giving him an old line. Mm-hmm. He gave the same amount of money to Anthony Barr, who, you know, thankfully didn't take it because we would probably have been hemorrhaged with that contract. He gave Quincy Anunwa in a contract that wasn't, he d- didn't remotely deserve. And the Jets are still eating that contract. But the thing is, fans want to fire Joe Douglas. Why? Why do you want to fire Joe Douglas already? Because he didn't get you Pro Bowl receivers every year? But he's, he, again, I think he's trying to send a message, and that is this team is terribly flawed. Yeah. A lot of problems on this roster right now, and I can't fix it. I can't fix it through free agency. So I'm not going to try to fix it through free agency. I'm going to let these guys play out their deals. I'm going to let these guys, maybe they can develop into something legitimate, or they're going to hit the bricks. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to build this the right way. And I got no problem with that. But, yeah. I, will, but I will end Jeff fans with this because I want to go over the NFL real quickly before we get out of here. It's plain and simple. You Jeff fans want Gase gone just like Clem and I? Fine. I hope they lose Thursday. But if they fire him on Friday, you've got no more excuses. I don't want to hear you guys complain in week six or week seven about how bad the team is. And how it's Gase's fault the team is bad. I don't want to hear it. Once he's gone, that's it. You've used up that that excuse. There's nothing. No, I don't want to hear it. If Greg Williams isn't getting the job done, then it's not Adam Gase's fault anymore. You want him gone. We want him gone. That's it. But we're out of excuses after that. I'm not blaming. If Sam still has struggling, I don't want to hear fans three weeks after the fact saying Gase screwed him up. Don't want to hear it. Mm-hmm. No, I 100% agree with you. It's again, like, we'll have Greg Williams become the coach whether he wins games or not. Personally, I have no confidence if Greg Williams becomes our head coach because the defense freaking sucks. And there's no excuses. Well, listen to Greg Williams because Greg Williams is a little bit more of a fiery guy and, and everything. Gase is not. He's not that kind of guy. But what, a, what I'm going to get concerned about, and I don't think Douglas will fall for this anyway. McCagden might have. But Williams will get them winning games. And then what's going to happen is fans are going to bitch about that too. Fans are going to complain that they're, that they're winning games. So they're going to knock us out of Trevor Lawrence. We're winning games. We're not going to get Jamar chase now. I don't want the organization to delude themselves into thinking that Greg Williams is the long-term answer for this team. 
next year, I want this team to invest big money in a guy like Jim Harbaugh and a guy like Lincoln Riley and a guy, even the guy like Eric Bieniemy. You're going to have to overpay for Eric Bieniemy. If you want Eric Bieniemy that bad, you are going to have to overpay for him, plain and simple. Mm-hmm. And it'll be on Joe Douglas to convince the the the, uh, the Johnsons, pony up. If you want a really good head coach for this team, we got to pony up. And if you don't believe me, Matt Rule set the bar. Right. Matt Rule got a huge deal to stay to go to Carolina because the owner wanted him. Good for him. The owner was not going to be swayed. Matt Rule is coming to Carolina. I'm going to over. I'm going to pay him whatever he wants because I think he can lead the franchise. And that's it. Plain and simple. So if Gase gets fired on Friday, Jet fans, you're out of excuses. Yep. I don't want to hear you complaining on social media that Gase ruined Darnold. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Because it's only week five in a 17-week season, which means you have 11 weeks to prove that Sam Darnold is the answer for the future of this team at quarterback. All right, let's do uh, – we'll just do some quick – we'll do a quick round for the NFL. You want to pull up the games from yesterday? We'll just – Run them off. We already did Giants and Jets, so we're good there. So, all right, so go ahead. We got the Washington football team versus the Browns. The Browns won 34 to 20. Wayne Haskins really killed them in this game yesterday oh. with the turnovers. It sucked because I really want to see him succeed. I really do. I think I like his, I like his personality. I like, you know, I, I feel like he is developing a bit of a leadership vibe from the team. And he did look good in some spots, but he threw some pretty bad. He had some pretty bad turnovers yesterday. Yeah, and that, another, and another quarterback to me that needs guy, he needs better weapons around him. I think they're still too young. But if he grows with these guys over a season, they could be they could be a lot better next year. So I think they need to think about that. But also losing Chase Young really hurt. Yeah. That was a tough, that was a tough loss for them. As for the Browns, I thought Baker played well. I thought that I think Nick Chubb played great and you know Kareem Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt have proven to be a nice little one-two running back tandem. However, I'm not sold on Cleveland just because, again, the teams they've beaten are not that good. They've beaten Cincinnati and they've beaten Washington. And I, I'm just not overly impressed with the Browns beating these teams. That's all. Well, if you look at it, Dwayne Haskins had four turnovers yesterday. Mm-hmm. So in reality, you think that the Browns would have won by a lot more. They only yeah. won by two. They only won by two touchdowns. I mean, yes, two scores, but it's it's like really like that's what the scoring was. You should have blew them out by a lot more, especially with the roster you have. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's the thing too is that you have a situation where again, Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt. They should have torched Washington. Yeah, you know, torched them. But, but if you're a Browns fan, you're happy they got the win. They put up 30 points again this week, so that's looking good. Stefanski looks like he's starting to kind of come into his own. I'll be a Browns believer when I see them beat good teams. Yes. All right, next one. We got the Bengals against the Eagles that ended in a tie. Eagles suck. They are so bad. <laughs> they are so bad. Like, they are bad. You know, they're not worse than the Jets or the Giants, but they're bad. And Carson Wentz is proving once again that I think he's just he's just a bum. He's just a freaking bum. Yeah, Eagles did not look good yesterday. Joe Burrow looked fantastic. But Carson Wentz, not good. 
But again, it was just like the, the Eagles should not have been, they should have, I mean, listen, I understand that they're down a couple of guys, but I thought Burrow played really well. Um, I'm a little concerned that Joe Mixon is kind of being phased out. I don't think he's really an integral part of the offense. I thought T Higgins played really well yesterday. He had, I think he scored both touchdowns. Yep. And, um, you know, but again, but for the Eagles, a team that's everybody's high on every year, everybody's on their, on their nuts every year. They're supposed to be this great team and everything, man, they do not look good. The defense stinks and the offense outside of Miles Sanders stinks. Yeah. And we've talked about this before the season started. The, the NFC East is wide open. I mean, worst division in football by far. They are. And the Eagles, the Eagles tying against the Bengals, who they should have in reality beat, and the Cowboys losing again. Mm-hmm. The Giants are still mathematically in this. They are yeah. still in it, technically. <laughs> like That's saying something right now about, what's, about the state of the league. No. Oh. So, all right, next game. Next game, we got Patriots versus the Raiders. Patriots won 36 to 20. Yeah, the Raiders hung tough in this game for the most part. I think it was a case of being on a short week and then flying cross country to New England. That always, it's always going to take its toll, whether people want to believe it or not. Um, the thing about the Patriots, and maybe you agree, is I, I think they just, if it, it's cam or nothing, mm-hmm. they, they just seem like a team predicated on running the football a lot, with, whether it's cam or Sony Michelle. Um, I don't know how far that'll get you. I think eventually they will catch up to you. But right now, I just think that the Raiders look pretty decent for the most part. Carr didn't really have a great game yesterday. He, didn't, he wasn't bad. He wasn't great, but he wasn't bad. But, um, you know, the Patriots have been, you know, but still, they're putting points up. And I think it's going to – this offense, you know, Belichick has figured out a way to predicate this offense around camp. And I think that's, a, that's, that's big. No, it's, it definitely is. It just shows the coaching ability. Now, is Cam MVP? No. No, bless you. He's not. But I think just figuring out a way to work around Cam is going to be good. But again, you're going to you're going to wear this guy down. He's 31 years old and you're running him like, you know, like a running back. You you can't keep doing that after a while. Eventually, it's going to catch up to you. So but I thought the Raiders, for the most part, I think they hung in there tough. And I kind of like the way they're going, too. I think Gruden's got them on the right track. Mm -hmm. Um, I do think not having Henry Ruggs is a little bit of an effect. And Josh Jacobs didn't have a grade. Plus, he was hurt. Waller was hurt for this game yesterday. But overall, I thought they played okay. They just, you know, listen, they ran into a better team. Nothing you could do. Yeah. All right, next up. Bears versus the Falcons. Bears 130-26. I would have fired Dan Quinn right after this game. You can't keep blowing leads like this. You just can't. Seattle, you got torched by you got torched by the Seahawks in week one. You had the Dallas game in hand, and you totally let that get away. And then you let Nick Foles beat you. I don't know what it is what the Falcons are doing. If the Falcons put out, get out to these huge leads, and then they just go into a prevent defense. And what do they say about prevent D? Prevents you from winning. Yeah, there's, no, there's no excuse as to why going into the fourth quarter you have a 16-point lead. You should be able to hang on Bears, to that lead. Against the Bears. Against the Bears and Mitch Trubisky. And the Bears did the right thing and bench Trubisky when he was playing like crap. You bench him. That's it. He's done. Good night. Take care, Mitch Trubisky. It was a pleasure knowing you. This is now Nick Foles' team moving forward. And the thing is, again, it's just the same, you know, the Falcons week in and week out, their defense lets them down. It's a major letdown. Fire your defensive coordinator if you have to. You're going to have to make a change. Is Dan Quinn calling the plays? Well, that doesn't bode well for his future in Atlanta. 
So, but it's just, it's another two weeks in a row now. This team has had big leads and they've blown them and they've lost. Yeah. It's inexcusable. That is inexcusable in my opinion. There's not much you could say about the Bears. I mean, they just came in and Foles played great. Yeah, exactly. That's all it is. It's like, but again, you look at this, this Falcons offense, even without Julio Jones, still better than what the Bears have. And the fact, like you just mentioned, you know, they keep blowing these leads. Something's got to change. And like you said, if I was the Falcons, I would fire Dan Quinn right now. I would fire him right now. I mean, the fact is, is uh, again, the Bears needed a spark. They got it with Foles and the rest is history and they won the game. Mm-hmm. That's it. All right, next up. Rams versus the Bills. Bills won 35 to 32. Bills got lucky on a call. I'll leave it at that. Yeah. I thought the Bills defense really collapsed in the second half. And that's, that's telling. Allen did not play that great in the second half. Um, Goff played 10 times better than him. Um, I thought the Rams were going to pull it out after Henderson scored the touchdown. And, you know, again, they got hosed on a bad call. Maybe it's karma for week one. When they got the call against Dallas, you can maybe talk it up to that. Maybe it's just we're even. But at the end of the day, I mean, this was more about Buffalo's defense. I think their offense was great. Allen was fantastic. Allen, look, we talked about this with Jamie D'Amico. And the big question surrounding the season was, oh, who's going to have the better season, Josh Allen or Sam Darnold? Everyone was saying Sam Darnold. I personally didn't see it. I said Josh Allen, and Josh Allen played like a damn stud. I, 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 yeah. I mean, he, listen, Buffalo fans are just as nervous as Jet fans, you know, about their quarterback. I mean, Allen has accuracy issues, he can, but he can run the ball. He can run the ball, and, he can, and he's, he's very good running the offense. Mm-hmm. And now with Stephon Diggs and now with John Brown and Cole Beasley, they're a legitimate unit. They are a legitimate unit right now. Are they a Super Bowl team? I don't know if they're they're there yet, but they will be. I think they will be very soon. And their defense is one of the tops in the league. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. Josh Allen, I mean, Josh Allen just is key playing great. This is the third game in a row. He's passed for over 300 yards and he had four touchdowns in this game. He's I just think, but I just think it came down to one bad call that sealed their victory for them. That's it. So, all right, next up. Next up, we got the, the Texans versus the Steelers. Steelers won 28-21. Uh, Steelers played well for the most part. I thought the Texans played decently offensively. Their defense is not very good, though. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, again, it was a back-and-forth game between two good teams. And, you know, Houston's kind of gotten screwed a bit on the schedule. I think you can agree with that. I mean, yeah. opening up with Kansas City, then Baltimore, then Pittsburgh. I mean, you're guaranteed to be 0-3 at that point. Um. I'm sure it'll lighten up for the for the Texans as you know the year the season goes on. But I thought Deshaun Watson played okay. He played fine. Um, I thought Roethlisberger played well. I just think it was a case their defense just got shredded. Yeah. Know, that's pretty much the gist of it. But I thought overall it was a, it was a really good game back and forth. I thought. No, and this just shows this just shows how good the Steelers can be when they have been, when Big Ben's healthy. Because honestly, we know the defense. And I've said this I think multiple weeks now that we know the defense is there. The defense is solid. But if big if Big Ben is gonna if you, Big Ben's gonna be playing in the game, you you can almost guarantee they're gonna win because Big Ben's that good. Yeah, and the thing is, and, you see how the Steelers are predicated around Big Ben. Yeah, exactly. So, all right, go ahead. We got the Titans versus the Vikings. Titans won thirty-one to thirty. Uh, the Vikings collapsed in this game. They were really kind of dominating this game, and they kind of let the Titans come back. I thought Tannehill played well. You know, for the most part, I'm kind of I'm overhearing listening to people talk about how Tannehill is better without Gase. I, I don't really care anymore. You know, I'm glad guys like Ryan Tannehill are able to, you know, kind of restart their careers, you know, somewhere. 
everyone forgets that Ryan Tannehill was a backup last year before he, and it was only because Mariota sucked. Yep. People don't, people don't forget that part, right? They forget that when the Titans originally signed Tannehill, it wasn't to be a starter. Yep. It was the fact that he just came in and, you know, and he rode a wave and he's still riding a wave and good for him. Not the Vikings, I mean, their defense is just bad. Yeah. Harrison Smith actually played really well, though. I thought he played – he actually played really well. He didn't play bad, but he threw again. He had a bad turnover game. Dalvin Cook was running roughshod all over the Titans' defense. 181 yards. So it's just like, you know, Thielen had a big touchdown. I mean, I I don't know what else to say anymore about the Vikings, but, you know, I think think the Mike Zimmer watch is going to be on because, again – they went out and got him a pass rusher in Ngakwe right before right before the season started, and so far the defense just looks really bad. It's not they're dealing with injuries just like everybody else, but they should be able to overcome that too. No, absolutely, You're absolutely right. And this defense, yeah, this defense just flat out stinks. And you had and you have a huge game between Dalvin Cook and your rookie Justin Jefferson, who had over 170. Yeah, he was outstanding in that game yesterday. I mean, yeah. he had a big touchdown, and you know, big like a long touchdown. I mean, he finally had his breakout rookie game, which is what they were looking for. And they, the defense still couldn't put it away. So I no, mean, it's the defense. Zimmer's, Zimmer's specialty is defense. I think the Vikings have hit their peak. I don't know where where else they can go. You can't keep adding people to this roster. You can't sit there and say they miss Stefan Diggs. I don't really know why why they're so bad this yeah. year. I just don't. Okay, next one. Panthers versus the Chargers. Panthers won 21 to 16. That's a good win. It wasn't a great offensive game for the Panthers. A lot of field goals. Um, Eddie Bridgewater didn't have a great game and uh, Robbie Anderson, five catches for 55 yards. So let's pause, let's pump the brakes on his league-leading uh, receiving bullshit, you know, among Jet fans, please. Um, look, at the end of the day, they got the win. That's all that really matters. The Chargers, to me, as long as Tyrod Taylor's running the offense, they're not going to be very good. No, Justin Herbert, again, had another good game. He went 35 for 49, 330 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, he had an interception, but that's typical from a rookie. You kind of expect that. Justin Herbert should be the starter, period. Just put him in the game at this point. Just let him be the starter. This is two good weeks in a row where he's had over 300 passing yards. He's looked fantastic. Just keep him as the starter. I don't know why they don't want him. Mm-hmm. All right, next one. Next game is Cowboys versus the Seahawks. The Seahawks won 38-31. to 31. The Seahawks basically got lucky is what, what happened. And this mm-hmm. is the second week in a row it's kind of come that way. Their defense is getting shredded. Their secondary is getting shredded. Jamal Adams actually got hurt in this game. But their defense is getting shredded for a lot of yards. And they are lucky to have Russell Wilson throwing 50 passes a game. Chris Carson got hurt in the game yesterday, too. So that's a blow to their running game. They're not going to be able to survive like this. They're not. The defense has to start tightening up because they are going to get their asses kicked when they least expect it. Russell Wilson is going to have off games. He's not going to be this good all year. No, exactly. I was about to say every week. We 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 bash we bash Prescott good enough on the on the show, but you know Prescott's been actually been playing pretty good, and he had a very good game against the Seahawks. And he aired the ball. He had four different receivers over over sixty five yards of receiving, and that's fantastic on on Prescott's end. Honestly, yeah. if I were the Jets, seriously, I'm starting to think about this more and more. Depending on what new coach comes in to coach the team, mm-hmm. if Dak Prescott still having issues with a contract. If you really feel like he is the answer to the question, I would consider talking to the da- to Dallas about it. I wouldn't hate that. It can't hurt, you know. But again, you're talking about paying Dak Prescott forty million. It's about paying Sam forty million. 
So it's just like, you know, what are you going to do? We've killed Prescott. He played well yesterday, but the only the thing that's going to kill Dallas at the end of the day is their defense is just bad. Mm-hmm. Without Leighton Vander Esch, I mean, they really need him back. And on top of that, their secondary stinks. Their secondary got shredded by DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett had three touchdowns yesterday. Metcalf scored the game winner. So I think it's one of those situations where right now, I mean, Dallas's defense is going to be what puts them deeper and deeper and deeper into the hole. What are they, one and two now? Yeah. And the thing is, they got lucky beating the Atlanta Falcons. They should be 0-3. That's what I was saying. I was like, like, the Cowboys are very lucky they have that one win because, they, yeah, like you said, they should be 0-3. So, all right, what's the next one? Lions versus the Cardinals. Lions won 26-23. I'm going to be very honest about the Arizona Cardinals. This is why sometimes I think they're a little overrated. If you're going to be taken seriously as a contender, you need to beat the Detroit Lions. Yeah. You, especially at home. You can't lose to the Detroit Lions at home, okay? With the Detroit Lions, you see the night and day difference when Kenny Galladay is in the lineup. When Kenny Galladay is in the lineup, the team is totally different. For the Cardinals, yeah, Kyler Murray played well, fine. But at the end of the day, if you're seriously going to be a contender, you have to beat Detroit. Games like this are going to slip away sometimes. It's that It comes to the territory club. Yeah. But the Lions are a bad football team. They're not a good football team. And you should have beaten them, plain and simple. No, you should have, exactly. When you have when you have such a young quarterback like Kyler Murray, who's been playing very good this year, and DeAndre Hopkins, we know, is a stud, you should be beating the Detroit Lions. But the fact that Adrian Peterson is getting the ball 22 times and getting 75 yards, and Matthew Stafford is, is throwing for 270 yards and two touchdowns, it's unacceptable by the Cardinals. They have to be better than that. And if they, Like you said, if they want to be taken seriously, they have to beat the Lions. Yeah, like, for example, here, just looking at it from the Cardinals' perspective. You know, Kyler Murray, good game. Three picks, though. Not good. Okay, quarterback rating is 72.3. Kenyon Drake had a good day on the ground. DeAndre Hopkins did his best. Okay, but you look at the Lions, Stafford, 22 of 31, 272 touchdowns, no picks. Adrian Peterson's been very good for them so far since they, since they brought him in. Mm-hmm. And Galladay definitely makes a difference, although he definitely spread the ball around yesterday to a lot of different receivers. Overall, again, if you're Arizona and you want to be taken seriously and everybody talks about Kyler Murray's going to be the MVP and all that stuff, these are games you have to win. You cannot lose games like this. They should be 3-0 right now. Just, just my overall opinion. So, all right, next game. Next game, we got the Buccaneers versus the Broncos. The Buccaneers won 28-10. Uh, nothing you could do about the Broncos at this point. They're just, they have a lot of injuries. Driscoll is not the answer at quarterback. Everybody knows that. On top of that, Cortland Sutton was hurt. And I think they also had another injury yesterday, too. Um, and on defense, when you don't have Von Miller, that's a big deal. Yeah. Buccaneers took advantage of it. They exploited it, and that's how they won the game. That's it. No, Tom Brady looked good yesterday. You can't complain too Tom Brady, 200, 297 yards with three touchdowns. Ronald Jones, 53 rushing yards. And he got the, he got the ball around. Brady got the ball to all, a bunch of different wide receivers, and he looked good. Yeah. And, I mean, that's really what – that's Brady's – see, that's Brady's strength right there is making – is getting those guys – spreading the ball out, just like he did in New England. He never relied on one receiver in New England. He just – you know, he just did his thing. And that was that. All right, what else? And the last game on the schedule that we have before tonight's game, the Packers versus the Saints. Packers won 37-30, and my parlay is still alive. 
I'll say one thing. If there's one guy that could be challenging Russell Wilson for MVP, it's Aaron Rodgers. Yep. Aaron Rodgers was absolutely fantastic again yesterday. And I think he's really is taking this Jordan Love shit personally and proving to everybody that he is that good of a quarterback. What I'm saying. No more touchdowns, no picks, decent running game overall from Aaron Jones. And remember, this is, this is proof right here. We talk about the fact about Sam not having weapons, right? Here is proof right here that you can be a successful quarterback without legitimately good weapons. Okay. Lazard was the leading receiver, six catches for 146 yards. The rest of these guys I've never heard of. Yep. And I mean, as for the Saints, I thought Breeze played well for the most part. He had a strong game, three touchdowns, almost 300 yards passing. Kamara had a big game. You know, I, I think it's just a game where the Packers were just the better team. What'd you do? Did you just like lose power? <laughs> no, it was just like my, my screen just went black for some reason. <laughs> What the hell is that? At the end of the day, you have to understand something too. This team really misses Michael Thomas. Oh, it does. Yeah. Kamara had 13 catches for 139 yards yesterday. The next receiver after that was Emmanuel Sanders, four for 56. Okay. They're going to work Kamara to the ground where he's going to get hurt. Mm -hmm. They better hope they get Michael Thomas back really soon. But overall, I thought it was a great game for the Packers. Packers are no joke, man. I told you, man. Packers. Aaron Rodgers is on this revenge tour, and he's, he's ready to kick some ass and take some names, and he, he's doing so. But give credit to Matt LaFleur also, okay? Because a lot of people gave Matt LaFleur shit for drafting Jordan Love, and Aaron Rodgers wasn't thrilled about it, but Aaron Rodgers is playing some of his best football right now. And you could credit that to Matt LaFleur. So, all right, so real quickly, who do you like tonight, Baltimore or KC? Look, I just like I just mentioned, my parlay's still alive, so I got I'm I'm liking the Chiefs tonight, man. I'm 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 really liking the Chiefs. I think they look. I their their defense isn't altogether there, but I I as much as I like Lamar Jackson, I think I think Patrick Mahomes is. I think the Chiefs have the better offense right now. I think they have the better offense between between the two. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go forward with the Chiefs. I mean, there's there's really nothing much to say. Everyone knows how good the Chiefs are and everyone knows how good the Ravens are. It's probably gonna be the best regular season game of the year. So yeah. everyone's gonna have eyes on this game and again there's really nothing bad to say about either team. But I'm gonna I'm choosing the Chiefs because I have At the end money. of the day no one will look down on Lamar Jackson if he doesn't have a great game against the Chiefs. Exactly. So I mean I think it'll be a fun game to watch. So I'll probably check it out for a little while as well. Um so a couple of quick notes before we get out of here. The Clippers officially fired Doc Rivers uh, today. And uh, I just got this texted to me that retribution in WWE has to be quarantined because due to COVID-19 for two weeks. Oh, They're not going to have retribution. So that just puts, hopefully that puts an end to the horrible gimmick to begin with. But, but I digress. You know, it's funny because I was listening to uh, what our What's Wrong with Wrestling guys. And they mentioned, they were like, oh, AEW, they'd have the Dark Order. WWE, you know what we're going to do? Retribution. Terrible idea. It's yeah. so stupid. No, it's a, it's, a, you know, it's a lot of, it's just bullshit. And again, this faction is not really intimidating because they haven't beaten anybody good. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think like you should have had them come in the way that Nexus came in when they beat up Cena and they turned on Jericho. Remember Jericho was trying to be their best friend. They beat the crap out of Jericho. They beat the crap out of Edge. Yep. That's what I would have done with Retribution, but whatever. You know, but I think it should have been one of those gimmicks where you don't know who Retribution is and they could be walking right by you and you have no idea. Yeah, exactly. Retribution. Like, it could have been like Dio Madden in a shoot, suit and tie. Just walking by, like, oh, hey, Dio, what's up? And you would have no idea it was part of Retribution. Yeah, exactly. Like, Or even like, even, like people, there were some rumors going around that The Miz was one of them. 
Yeah. That been cool. That would have been a cool, cool idea. I would have been okay with that. But all right, everyone, that's going to do it for the Moffat on the Mic show for this Monday afternoon. Thank you for everybody for checking us out, whether on Instagram or if I'm sorry, on check the show out on Instagram at Moffat on the Mic, Twitter at Moffat on the Mic, and the Facebook page as well. Thank you for everybody for checking us out on Facebook Live. Comment below and uh, like and share with friends, family, whoever you want. You know, um, any feedback is greatly appreciated. Uh, Clem, thank you for holding it down like you normally do. Follow the A1 Sports Network on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Clem, when is our next show? Oh, I forgot to tell you. Confirmed Wednesday, 4.30, Jake Asman. There you have it, folks. So we'll be back Wednesday afternoon at 4.30 with one of our good friends, as always, uh, Jake Asman. Huge Jets fan, huge, huge, huge Yankee fan. So we're going to get into all that stuff as well. Jake had a pretty big vent, oh, vent this morning about Adam Gase on his show, but definitely check out the Jake Asman show on the Sports Map Radio Network. Again, Wednesday afternoon, 4.30, Jake Asman's going to join us right here on the Moffat on the Mic show. On behalf of Clem, I am Craig. This is the Moffat on the Mic show. Everybody, wherever you are, stay safe. Have a great day. Great rest of your Monday. Enjoy the game. Enjoy Monday Night Raw tonight if you're watching it. And we'll be back Wednesday afternoon, 4.30, right here on the A1 Sports Network Facebook page with Jake Asman from the Jake Asman Show. Have a great one, everybody.